where you can do all those things and so much more. Just grab a seat in the chair or the floor. Sit back, relax, recline. While she drops another casual line. You're tuned into Casually Molly with Molly and Boogie. Welcome back, everybody, to the Casually Molly podcast. I am your host, Molly Ambergie. Based in St. Louis, we interview comedians, artists, you name it. But today, we have a special live stream with one of St. Louis's own favorite comedians, J.C. Zavala. Thank you for having me. Cheers. Oh, we should do a cheers. Yeah, we should do a cheers. What are we drinking, J.C.? What did Chris get us? I mean, that, that should always be something that we check, right? I know. We should ask him. Well, when Chris comes, Chris, what It was did you some make kind us? of Jack, right? Jack Daniel Single, single barrel. barrel. All right. Okay. Represent. I like it. Uh, I wanted to have a live stream specifically with JC. Uh, JC was actually one of my first supporters of the podcast way back when at the Metropolitan Artist Lofts when mm-hmm. I was a tenant there. Uh, he recorded in the uh, very beginnings of Casually Molly, and now we're in Which the Which was studio. basically a closet. <laughs> It was a closet in a parking garage. It was the weirdest thing. I was like, <laughs> where are you taking me? We called it the murder basement because everybody, JB, did the same thing. He was like, I totally trust you, but where are we going? <laughs> so Yeah, JB thought, you like especially with you, he probably thought it was like, get out get or something. Out. That, <laughs> that was our joke. That was our joke. I love really? it. Yeah, we were like, is it this a sense. version of it get tracks. out? It tracks. It tracks. It tracks. <laughs> well, I'm happy to have you here. Why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself for people who are getting to know you? Uh, let's see, I've, uh, here in a couple of weeks will be my 10 year anniversary in doing comedy. Oh. Yeah. So I, uh, been doing it for a while. The, uh, I started in 2011 and I actually counted how many times I hit the mic, uh, that year and it was 235 times. Okay. Uh, so I don't know how many times I've performed since because I stopped counting after that. <laughs> but I was like, okay, well, maybe maybe I really do want to do this. Um, you know, I perform pretty much throughout the Midwest, um, mostly like Kansas, Missouri, like Little Rock, Arkansas, Oklahoma. Those are the main states that I cover. Like I'll, I'll also go into like Illinois and then I'll travel around to like Indiana and stuff like that but I don't travel too too much uh, because I also have a day job and I'm a single father so it my responsibilities kind of prevent me from like just going out and being like I want to pursue this full-time and you know you gotta Mm -hmm. you gotta handle business first you know yeah absolutely well you're a great comedian you're honestly one of my favorites I love especially the material that you write about your son Mm -hmm. speaking of my favorite joke is that one where I think I mentioned this the last time you were on too, and this just stays true to the type of comedian JC is. Like I've heard your jokes so many times, but they're still some of my favorite ones. <laughs> so the one that I love is about how you talked about your son was like, I know the F word. Yeah. You're like, buddy, let's talk about this. And he goes, Fart. Yeah. <laughs> he's he's always coming up with funny stuff though. Yes. So the just the other day, he decided to tell me a joke that, and I, if anybody's been around little kids, my son's only seven, mm-hmm. but little kids suck at telling jokes. <laughs> and but he, like it was the first one that he ever told that actually made me laugh when he was trying to make me laugh. Mm-hmm. 
and it was, um, he was like, hey, Dad, do you want to hear uh, a construction joke? <laughs> I was like, okay, sure. He's like, never mind, I'm still working on it. <laughs> And I was like, that's not bad, dude. And I, like, I know you didn't write that, but that's not bad. And then he looks at me and he's like, because he knows I'm a comedian. He's like, do you think grownups would laugh at that? I was like, well, yeah, yeah, I think they would. Aww. And he goes, you can use that in your show tomorrow. <laughs> I was like, no. <laughs> it's like, that's the, the, the thing you never tell a comedian. You can use this. I was like, oh, thank you. Thank you so much for your graciousness and bestowing this gift upon me of your comedic genius. <laughs> How many times have we been told, like, oh, you can use this? Oh, oh I ha can I? Thank you. Thank you so Get much. Get that Facebook message, and you're like, I am never using this. <laughs> Thank you very much. But my own flesh and blood was just like, do you think grownups would laugh at that? <laughs> yeah, probably. You can use that in your show tomorrow. <laughs> and then I start laughing. And then he looks at my girlfriend, he's like, he has my permission. It's <laughs> like, that's not even your joke, dude. Like, <laughs> like what, did you, like, copyright this? <laughs> Just laying claim to it. He's that is funny, great. man. Oh, that is fantastic. Now, was this for the show you did on Saturday? Or mm -hmm. was this just, okay. Why don't you tell us a little bit about that? We were just talking about yeah. it earlier, and then I realized the show's hadn't started yet. So yeah. let's talk about that. That no, looks the, super cool. The mm -hmm. show was, uh, it was at the Mad Art Gallery. Mm -hmm. um, really cool venue. Um, and it was it was all put together by another one of St. Louis's favorite comedians, Mer Meredith Hopping. Great podcast guest. Yeah. Love her. Shout out to Meredith. <laughs> well, yeah, if you turn the volume down, <laughs> I, I could see him being, being a great... Anyway, so Meredith, <laughs> Meredith's awesome. Uh, <laughs> she put a great show together, though. It was uh, what was really cool about it was it was uh, it was an actual sit down dinner. It was like a throwback to like uh, to like uh, like supper clubs, and mm -hmm. it almost had it almost had like this speakeasy feel. So like we had to dress and like everybody had to like all the guys had to wear suits. And mm -hmm. they had like this, like the old school looking microphone, mm -hmm. you know, instead of it being just like the, the little dome dynamic right. mic that you see, it's like that big, like old radio Speakeasy mic. Speakeasy kind of, yeah. yeah. Mm -hmm. And, you know, with, with, ev with the way everything's been with the pandemic and everything, like you never know what turnout's going to be like. And then it's always weird performing with everybody all spaced out. But this ended up being a really cool vibe. And... Uh, because it was successful, I I think, and I don't I don't know for sure, but I think she said that she's gonna start turning this into a regular thing. Oh, cool! So this was the first time. It's uh, it was called Full Belly Comedy. Okay. Um, but yeah, I had a blast, and everybody that I talked to after, like all the other comedians that were on the show, there were some really funny comedians too. Yeah. Uh, because it it was uh me, obviously Meredith, mm -hmm. uh Tina Devall. Mm -hmm. Uh, Tim Convey mm -hmm. and Duke Taylor. Of course, yeah. And I was like, this is a killer lineup to yeah, be on. This is, sure. this is great. And it was it was a blast. I liked and seeing I you guys drunk. in character, so that was really cool. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Very, very cool. What do you mean character? You mean dressed up? Yeah. Well, that's not character. We're still us. I will, excuse me. <laughs> <laughs> like, I'm still me. I'm very authentic <laughs> in myself. 
That's JC, authenticity, everybody. <laughs> so don't worry. That is me. It's true. <laughs> That's why I'm saying that. Follow JC Savala for more authenticity. I love it. But speaking, actually, this leads to my next point. So speaking of um, authenticity, what I also love about JC is how well you handle hecklers that are in an audience. Oh, yeah. So the, the most recent one, uh, JC and I were doing an open mic at the Funny Bone when it had first opened up again. And it was really exciting because it was one of the Sunday mics that they had. Mm -hmm. And I was hosting and it ended up being a really good turnout. So of course you're like, okay, cool. Like maybe I can get a good video out of this. And I don't know if you remember, but maybe I can jog your memory. So I, I don't know, everything was going really smoothly like it does before something bad happens. And there was this like, everybody else on one side was really good, but there was this one table in the back that had like these rowdy guys. So I had a joke and this guy like made some kind of weird noise. I skipped over it and I was like, all right, well that's fine. And then I went into my plan B joke and this guy starts yelling out, your boyfriend's a piece of shit. (laughs) I would never buy plan B for anybody. So I was like, oh, you know, I love how this guy's yelling out his expense report for me. Like (laughs) I care, thank you. We get get classy people. Oh, we really do, man, Mm -hmm. let me tell you all these. But so I thought that was gonna shut it down because then the next few comedians went up and it seemed to be going back into order. So I was like, well, maybe I didn't get a good video, but that's the host, you know, let's just get, set the tone for the rest of the show. Well, then you get up and you're doing, you're like, so I'm a single father. And the guy goes, ugh. And so (laughs) JC, it's just in your eyes, you're like, hold on. (laughs) And you just, you're like, is that the same guy? And he goes, uh, uh, uh." and he goes, so then he goes, are you with somebody tonight? And the wife is like, he's with me. And she goes, do you have like boys? And she goes, well, we have two girls. And JC goes, oh, so you have girls. Well, see, that's a little bit different because I'm a single father to a son. And, you know, I make sure to raise him that that way he doesn't talk back to me going, oh, or something. (laughs) And you, like, set this guy straight. And the whole room cheered for you once you were done. Oh, my. It was the most magical thing. Like, you obliterated this guy. He left. Like, after the show ended, he saw you and beelined out the doors. (laughs) It was so... Great. So the reason I bring this up after this long Sounds story. Sounds like I just had a conversation with him. Like, <laughs> I don't even, like, I don't remember this. Like, for him, that was the day he got called out. For me, it was a Sunday. Yep. <laughs> like, I don't. <laughs> and do you think, like, just from experience, you know how to handle hecklers really well? Because it's really just an art to it, if you think about it. But you seem to have a really good way of making sure people are coming, like, back to the show, enjoying the show. You know, okay, so... <laughs> I uh, much like most of comedy and, and all comedians have gone through it um, a lot of it's trial and error uh, and there had been some times where I I think everybody thinks what you're supposed to do is like oh they're talking you're supposed to destroy them right right <laughs> and that's what everybody thinks you're supposed to do and then all of a sudden somebody says something that nobody else hears but you hear it from the stage and then you go hard on that person. <laughs> and then everybody's like, God, this dude on stage is a dick. <laughs> what is his problem? <laughs> and then they all turn against you. And I, I see I, I see even um, experienced comedians still doing this sometimes. But I was uh I was performing in Kansas I was performing in Kansas City and I can't remember who the comedian was, but he was from New York and 
he had an absolute nightmare of a heckler. It was this this drunken woman um, that was. I mean, I, I can only guess what her uh, her income status was. <laughs> not, to, not to say anything. But anyway, she was completely tearing this show apart. She was just ruining every, stepping on every punchline, yelling everything out. And the way he handled it, and it was, it was just a pure education for me, was that he didn't try to make her, he didn't try to destroy her. Mm-hmm. He, he tried to, to just roll with the punches with her, and eventually the whole audience turned against her because every, the whole audience was just like, why won't she shut up? Like, right, no, and, yeah. And he's being nice, and everybody's like waiting for him to like lay into her now. Mm. And it, it ended up being a real education for me on how to utilize the full, like crowd dynamics to turn somebody against to turn the crowd against that person. So then you can get away with murder. And the best the best heckle situation I had, um, this was in Columbia. This was in Columbia and um, Columbia, Missouri, not, not the country. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> and okay, just yeah, to clarify. Just to clarify, <laughs> I, wasn't, I wasn't performing for cartels or anything like that. <laughs> That's the next show. Yeah. Yeah. Go ahead. <laughs> so anyway, um, there was there was this crowd of people that showed up. First of all, we, we were supposed to have a sold-out show, but there was a huge blizzard the day of. And so there was more than like a foot of snow on the ground. So we went from uh, having like over, over 250 tickets sold to only having like 65 people show up. And of the 65 people, there were... Um, there was like 30 of them in one group and they were really, they'd been drinking. Like it was clear. We knew before the show that they'd been drinking because their little ringleader, this one lady had jumped up on stage before the show and was trying to like tell jokes into the microphone. And we're like, that's not why you're here. And this is not an open mic. Right. (laughs) And so I'm up and she keeps interrupting me and yelling stuff out. And I started off, I played nice. Uh, just I, you know how you have like little throwaway lines that you can say. So yeah. the so the one I said was because she yelled something out during one of my punchlines, and I looked at somebody. I'm like, "Did you hear that?" And obviously they acknowledged it. I was like, "Okay, good," because I already talked to the voice this morning, so I was getting <laughs> worried. Just a little throwaway line, just yeah. just to show that yeah, I hear her, but we're still gonna move on. Mm-hmm. Okay, she's she's not going to ruin what we're here to do. You're here to enjoy yourself. Uh, laugh, hear some jokes, loosen up, all that. I'm here to tell those jokes for you. Mm-hmm. And then she kept going, and I eventually got it to the point where I was just able to say, like, hey, ma'am, you look like, you seem like a really nice person, and you're you're having a great time. I want you to keep having a great time. But I want everybody else to have a good time, too. And I looked at everybody else in the audience, and I was like, how many of you guys came here to see a comedy show tonight? And ev- everybody applauded, and I was like, now, how many of you guys paid to see her <laughs> and, <laughs> and at that point even like even her whole crew because she's with half the crew half the audience so we can't oh, kick wow. her out right because if we kick normally in that situation uh some one of the staff members would come by and they'd actually kick kick out somebody for being too disruptive uh but I, we just knew that that wasn't an option 
So now her own, like her own crew is like, Sheila, shh, be quiet, shut up, and doing all that stuff. And then she ended up stepping on one of my punchlines, which at that time was one of my like my big hits, <laughs> like where I always knew that no matter how bad my set's going, I can make this joke work. And it was one of those jokes, but it hinged on timing, mm-hmm. as, as most jokes do. Everybody always says, you know, timing is everything in comedy. But she steps all over it, and I just, like, pulled the stool up. I sat down, and I was like, you guys can't smoke in here, can you? Because I knew there was a smoke-free club. And everyone's like, no. I'm like, perfect. Ma'am, why don't you go take a cigarette break real quick? And then people thought that that was the the slam. (laughs) Right? (laughs) And I said, well, ma'am, just so that we're clear, it's not because I want you to leave. I want you to get cancer and die. <laughs> the whole audience just exploded and she stormed out pissed but her whole group stayed and then after the show they all came up and they're like high-fiving me and hugging me and then like the husband was like that was my wife that was so awesome that you did that like screw her like, I've been wanting he, to do that my whole life <laughs> I was like okay like but it, it was it was a good lesson to put into practice on start off playing nice. Like you're just trying to have a discussion. You're not trying to absolutely destroy that person, but there's a way to go about it where you're not having to insult them. Like Mm. you were saying, like, I I honestly don't remember that guy that at that open mic. You probably blocked it out. I mean, I was trying to, but that moment was just so good seeing the audience like, relate to you and like feel just as relieved that it was mm-hmm. done so that's why I yeah it was it. just like <laughs> a, it's just handling it with assertiveness mm-hmm. without being a dick yeah you don't have to and that's i think that's the part where newer com- especially newer comedians when they lose an audience because of a heckler it's because they didn't handle it correctly that way right they they just what because we think of mean shit all the time (laughs) like i know even you do and you're like the nicest person but you can think of mean shit to say true yeah like you can roast anybody right because that's just sort of where our dark minds go underneath here yeah (laughs) just put that jean jacket over it with a patch but go ahead yeah (laughs) so sometimes we've got to rein that in and not, and not get too dark. I get in trouble like on social media for being too dark. Oh yeah, speaking of, are we able to pop up that tweet that he, or the tweet, the picture, the gif? If you're familiar with WandaVision, JC, why don't you explain this picture? Okay, so if anybody's ever watched WandaVision, um, she ends up, lo- like, she doesn't really lose her children because they weren't really her children. They were, they were fake. But I took a screenshot from the show and then because she loses her kids, I ended up putting in um, I ended up putting in that little happy Mother's Day mommy thing on there. <laughs> and there's people that take this show seriously because oh, the yeah. whole show's about grief and loss and everything and recovery sure. and all that. So there's a lot of people that are like really, really into it. So I posted this into like this meme group that I'm in. Yeah. And somebody took it and tweeted it out. And they were like, who the fuck made this shit? <laughs> they, were, they were 
pissed. And then like it got a, a like a few thousand likes, and then people like responding to it and retweeting it, like this person should go to jail. This like like go to jail. Like <laughs> someone's like, well, I'm gonna go kill myself, and I'm like, no, 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 no. Like you need to calm down. These. These are fictional characters, right. and even Fiction. even in the show, those were fictional characters. It's true. <laughs> I was like, you guys are way, way too in your feels. You are too serious about it. Like, people were pissed. <laughs> well, if you have an opinion on this meme that JC made, please follow at JC Sabala. DM him, put that in the inbox, tweet it, or you can follow at the Casually Molly Podcast. <laughs> Let us know what you think. Just, you know, just drop it in the comments. So Yeah, I'll tweet it out. I'll tweet <laughs> I'll tweet it from the group because I'm just in this this group where we sometimes sometimes we tweet some or we make some horrible memes. <laughs> They're just like, man. Well, that's one thing. JC isn't afraid to piss somebody off, so it's okay. That's true. Or if it happens, he's like, Oh well, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, Whoops. Whoops. Now, you know, just speaking of, you know, beginnings and stuff like that and pissing somebody off, you know, was this a, how did you know that being a comedian was the career that you wanted to kind of go into? Oh, did we not talk about this last time? No, we didn't actually. We didn't. You kind of talked about your background being from um, Overland Park, Kansas yeah. and moving here. And what I will say you and I really relate on is that we're both transplants. And I'm sure probably you came to St. Louis and you were like, oh, this is kind of a nice stop for me. And then I'll go to a different city. And I felt the same way because I went to college here. But then I went back to Cincinnati and I was doing theater when I was taking plays to Chicago and all that. There are, Mm -hmm. I have never met a single person that grew up somewhere else and moved to St. Louis with the intention of staying in St. Right. Louis. And then that arch is like a magnet. It's it like, is. you're not going anywhere. It just anywhere. sucks you in. <laughs> it's like, what the? <laughs> like, I've been here for 20 years now. <laughs> I have a kid. And a lovely girlfriend. Hey, Kendall. So anyway. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Yeah, I know. Pretty nice life you got there, man. You did pretty good for getting magnetized in there. So Yeah, no, I'm doing yeah. okay. Yeah. I'm happy. Yeah, but anyway, back to being a comedian. <laughs> so I've I've wanted to be a comedian since I was like little, little. Oh, really? Yeah. Okay. Um. So, <laughs> so like comedian, like comedy comes from dark places for some people. Mm-hmm. Uh, the reason why my family moved to Kansas City in the first place was because my grandfather was dying of cancer, okay. right? And so we moved there so that we could be closer to my grandmother and then help also take care of my grandfather during his last days or whatever. But it was just a really somber mood. And I was six at the time. And um, so I, I was spending a lot of time over at my grandparents' house. And then like, while all the adults were doing their stuff and everything and doing all the serious stuff, uh, that was when cable television uh, was really pushing a lot of stand-up comedy because this was still in the 80s, right? So this was about 88. Okay. Yeah. And so um, that was during the big golden era of like the stand up comedy boom. So there was a cha- like what we know as Comedy Central now used yeah. to be called the Comedy Channel. Yes. And the programming was different. It was basically just a ton of showcases back to back to back to back. And I would sit there and I'd watch all this stand up comedy and be like, I want to do that someday. I want to be able to just make people laugh. And I remember. I, like I have two specific memories of my grandfather because he died when I was pretty young, but I I always remember how much of a like 
kind of a solemn man he was. He was just always really sincere. He was, he was like just stern in general. And the only two times I ever saw him laugh were because I made him laugh. Right. (laughs) And I was like, dude, I'm the man, like, this is what I want to do. Right. And, uh, like, like, uh, one of the times was, uh, anytime I would drink like a, like Coke or something or any type of soda at the end, I'd be like, ah, like that. (laughs) Just like I saw in like commercials and he thought that was the cutest thing. And he thought that was hilarious. And then also, uh, one time I finished off like an orange crush can. Oh, like orange yes, gr- yeah. orange crush. Yeah. Oh my gosh. And so yeah. in the commercials, they'd smash, they'd smash <laughs> it on their head, and so, but I'm like six, so I'm like, I don't have the strength to like get it in one shot, so I'm like, <laughs> and this man had like been battling lung cancer for like a year at this point, and he's laughing, but like also like coughing shit up, <laughs> and like my grandma's freaking out. Like, hello, hello. My, my my grandmother's Filipino. That's why. <laughs> Just to clarify, because uh, <laughs> if you ever see my act, you're never gonna find that out. Because uh, <laughs> I don't talk about that. Uh, <laughs> and, we had uh, a lot of clarifications during this episode. I love it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and uh, so yeah, that's that's when like you know six seven years old. That's when I decided like I oh, I want to do that someday. And uh, it's funny because uh, my aunt like pulled up like her old wedding video and they're like interviewing me and my cousins. I'm like, well, what do you want to do? I was like, I want to be a stand-up comedian. Like, and it was that time of my life. And I never actually pursued it until I was almost 30 because life just got in the way. Um, but yeah, like even uh, like few years later like in third grade uh, I was at the daycare and we started m- me and this other kid we started this thing called the JR show oh right because I'm J- well nine nine yeah okay so because I'm JC that was the J and his name was Ryan and we would put it all in like the corner of the daycare like or, or of the room that we were in and it was all like walled off just right and then we sat we took all the seats we made like these little tickets that everybody had to have like they were free mm-hmm. right but everybody would sit in their spots in the entire room including all the teachers and everything they would sit and watch us do like this like impromptu show that we would try to put together and there would be costume changes oh yeah quick change <laughs> yeah <laughs> and at the time i was just basically repeating shit that i'd i'd uh, heard on tv Right, I saw other comedians do it, so uh, I, w- I was I was joke stealing, which you're not <laughs> supposed to do. But I was nine. I didn't, it's not like I mean, it w- to be fair, it was no uh, construction joke because <laughs> my son is years ahead. <laughs> it's all right. That's yeah. okay. <laughs> but yeah, I, like that was just like we did that every Friday for like a few months, and then. Uh, but then, you know, like I played sports all the time. So mm-hmm. then like I never had time to do anything else. And then, you know, off to college and then all of a sudden you're right into the workforce. And then before you know it, you're almost 30. And I decided to do, uh, I was like, oh, like I'm going to be 30 this year. Like I better <laughs> actually do this. Yeah. <laughs> so it was my uh, New Year's resolution, one of my New Year's resolutions that year to do at least two open mics. 
and mm-hmm. I, I did them, and it was awful. <laughs> it was excruciating. I was about to say, when is like, I don't think anybody ever just kills it their first time. Well, there's, a, there's people that think they do. Oh, of course. <laughs> no, but like mine, it was there. It was very clear <laughs> that that I was not liked. Uh, <laughs> I was not funny. <laughs> I was like panicking and. Like Remind you, me where the first one was that you did. The uh, first one I did was at this bar called O'Malley's. That's right. And the, that's yes. the other thing is like when you first start, no one tells you that it's way easier at a comedy club because people actually go there specifically to hear comedy. Yeah. When you go to a bar open mic, there's people that are like, what is go- <laughs> why is this asshole up on the microphone? What is he saying? <laughs> I'm just trying to have a drink. What? Like, it's like I'm trying to watch the game. Shut up, dude. Like, it, like it's just, it's so much harder. And then, I think a lot of, I think a lot of comedians pick up bad habits at those kind of open mics because there's like certain jokes or certain behaviors that you do as sort of a way to like get the audience's attention that just doesn't fly in front of a it's mainstream like, yeah. audience. Mm-hmm. It just doesn't. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. No. I can. I can see that. I do you and this is just like something for people who are watching even though a lot of people who are tuning in are comedians obviously that know JC and myself for people who if they're not doing the live stream maybe they'll listen later um would you say though that sometimes with bar mics and stuff it's kind of a good place to get out material just to kind of see how it is before you go up in front of a club I yeah. heard that sometimes what's your opinion on that okay so I think bar mics have their own their place mm-hmm. they they can be a real if you treat them like the batting cages yes. like it's perfect right Great analogy so yeah. if you're if you're just going out there and you're just trying to get your cuts in right you're just trying to get some swings um and kind of flesh out the joke especially if you're the type of comedian that like what they call writing from stage where you can write it out on paper, but until you're actually saying it onto a microphone and it's coming out the way you would say it, because people write and speak two different ways. They sound like two different people if, if people read verbatim what they said. And um, like I'm very much a part, like my, my style sounds very conversational. Uh, it gives sort of this illusion, like I'm just, there's a lot of times people don't realize that I'm not just coming up with material off the cuff. That's the illusion. Mm-hmm. A lot of it's just so well rehearsed that I, I've said whatever jokes so many times that I know where all my beats are, all my pauses, where where all my body language is going to land on it, where like when I'm going to make a look, you know, when I'm going to take it like a breath in, when I'm going to change my fl- uh, my inflection of my voice, all those little mechanical things that go into a performance that people don't think about. Right. Um, that, that it's sort of the art of storytelling, so to speak. Yes. Uh, for, for people that they come across as really good storyteller comics, uh, a lot of that is really just well rehearsed. And it, 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 that's the illusion that it looks like they're just there in the moment. Mm-hmm. Right. And then, because you've told the joke so many times, every single type of interruption that could happen or whichever way it can veer off, or if you get interrupted, you know how to get right back on track. And it seems very organic and fluid. Yeah. 
but like I said, that's the illusion and that's falling back on the experience and all that stuff. So that's no, I that's a good point that you bring up because another example, I actually have seen you do this because I don't remember the one night you were you were going to be hosting for Kevin Bozeman, mm-hmm. and so I was like, oh, I'll come support or whatever, and then you ended up featuring because Matt allowed me to host, which was great. Mm-hmm. Shout out to the Funny Bone for that. And it was a great audience, good people, especially for a late show. They were having a blast, but definitely one woman got really into your set because you were talking about where you were from. And she's like, I'm from Creve Core or something. <laughs> and you were like, are we just yelling out where we're from now? And like, somehow you weave that into your history about being like, when I grew up in the mean streets of Overland Park, Kansas, yeah. you know, very similar to Creve Core, but it was so funny. She was so into it. She's like, oh, me too. Like, <laughs> like it was the nicest heckling, but at the same time, you well, were that's like. Because a, a lot of people don't know that they're yeah. heckling. People <laughs> think heckling means like you're booing the person right. on stage. <laughs> And heckling is really just interrupting in general, being any type of disruption. Because there are some comedians that they get really flustered the moment, like, I've I've seen good friends of mine, good friends of yours, Mm -hmm. and we're not going to name them here. (laughs) (laughs) We're going to drop them on the Casually Molly podcast or at JC (laughs) Savant. Or or Slick, either one. That's all good. (laughs) Go ahead. Sorry. (laughs) I know you've seen this where somebody like yelled something out and they were, it was almost like they were tagging onto their joke or like expressing their adulation Mm -hmm. for what was just said. Yes. And then they took it as like, you're messing up my joke. Like, and then started being like mean to the person. I'm like, well, you just lost the audience, buddy. Right. And um, especially, it's especially jarring with the people that I'm thinking of. Um, Their stage persona is this happy-go-lucky, like I'm I'm fun-loving, oh, look at me, (laughs) like kind of fun loving character and then all of a sudden they get real like that and it's just jarring and then everybody's like this is fake yeah a little terrifying and they (laughs) they completely and they completely like they just cave at that point the 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 ones i'm thinking of there's a few of them that are like that and i'm just like dude you've been doing this you know for more than seven years like you should know this by now right no i agree i agree but you, you can't tell some people you, some people just have to go at their own pace yeah and then sometimes you just got to stay in your lane too like mm-hmm. i <laughs> what i do love about you though now i will say this about you jc you have really good attention to detail um you've given me some good advice on things um but when I, what everybody always laughs about we all have our things right like mm-hmm. You know, at any time I want to update the Slick website, I'm always like, please just send me all the material, right? Because I want to make sure that I can have everything on there. So I'm always like, just send, you know, I'm always very detailed about like, give me a venue, give me a time, and then give me instructions of how to sign up for your mic. So that way you can have people come. Hmm? And so I was like, but yours is hilarious. Like mine's just more of an organization thing because I have a color-coded planner. But for you, I love that you're always about like, don't be too slow going up on stage. Like take... (laughs) Like, yeah, that drives me yeah, nuts. Yeah, it's it's a big pet peeve for you for sure. It's okay. It's or not. Maybe that's the wrong word. Well, no, but, I mean, yeah, I, I would call that a pet peeve, but it's more specifically not understanding etiquette, and it's it's not just taking your time to get to the stage. Now, there's a time and place. Like if you're the headliner, of course, take your time. That's what you know. Every <laughs> everybody paid to come see you. Oh, that's yeah. what. But like we're at open mic, and we've got 50 people getting ready to come up. 
Okay. And it's hard to get like, especially when you're hosting it, yeah. you got to constantly be like, all right, keep that going for that last comedian. Now keep it going for your next comedian. People get clapped out. Yeah. And they're just like, okay, who's next? This is like this marathon open mic. And when you got somebody, especially somebody that's new, just like really like sort of being a diva and taking their time up there. It's like, no, you're, you're nobody. Right. Um, it's like, all you're doing is throwing off the rhythm of the show. Yeah. Anytime we had some momentum, now you've just slowed it down, which you're probably already going to slow it down because you're new and you know, half the audience is, is probably going to be like, eh, Right, because and, yeah. and that's not a knock on new comedians. That's just that's just how it is. Know. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that happens to everybody has a bad set anyway. So that, that could happen to any comedian, no matter what <laughs> what stage or level. Yeah, you're at. yeah. But give yourself a fighting chance. Sure. So taking like okay, so that's one thing. Or sticking around till the till the end of the mic. Mm-hmm. Is, unless you're going to another open mic, if you're out there hustling, I get that. Yeah. I, but there's some comedians that need to stay in the room and they need to study and they need to pay attention because they are not it. <laughs> and, and I don't understand. Like, I sound like an old man. I know you always say you're like, I don't mean to complain. I was like, I just want to know if you wanted to be on my podcast <laughs> on Monday. <laughs> Do you remember yeah. that? You were like, oh, yeah, that's fine. <laughs> <laughs> right I was like, we're yeah, not going to complain about you. Yeah, <laughs> you were, I think you, <laughs> I think I you just, asked me when I was mid rant about it at the comedy club. He's like, I'm not an old guy. I was like, I just wanted to get a drink from Sean O'Brien and then also find out what, like, when your schedule was available. So, well, but, you know. <laughs> what was funny is because when you asked me, it was like just a few days after I had uh, agreed to host the open mic at Funny Bone. And. That's right. There, there were tons of new people that thing. It, it, this totally sounds like that old man, like when I was growing up. Like, <laughs> but things that just did not fly, like like you leaving early or making a mess or talking or being on your phone or you know just not being attentive. Like not like everybody like hazed you. <laughs> Yeah, when that I is started, true. yeah, and, and it was worse for the people before me. Yeah. <laughs> mm-hmm. Um. And so, you know, one of the things about this pandemic is that a lot of, of veteran comedians have chosen to take a hiatus, so they're not out. So people aren't seeing as much of an example, and there's a lot of newer comedians who are getting more opportunities faster than what they would really earn if everybody was out. Mm-hmm. So sometimes they get a little bit like, oh, it's going really well for me. And it's like, well, no, because there's nobody here. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, this, this doesn't count. Like, what are you talking about? Right, yeah. It's well, like, when do you think, like, when was your, when did you first host an open mic? Like, when you were first going to open, obviously, we're all open micers, we're all doing work, but when do you think was the first time in your comedy career where you were chosen to host an open mic, would you say? Oh, I was about six months in. Okay, okay. Yeah, but at the same time, I was going to a lot of open mics, mm-hmm. and I had some people um, that would give me good advice at the same right. time, give me some good guidance, uh, and it's not just developing your stagecraft, it's your etiquette, the, the way you behave. Because 
it doesn't like it doesn't matter coming up if you th- how funny you think you are if people think you're an asshole you're just not going to get work <laughs> mm-hmm. it's like you it's like you're good but you're good in the st- in the sense of you have potential yeah <laughs> Mm-hmm. And nobody like wants to take a shot on potential if they think you if they're if they can't stand to be around you. Yeah, that's true. So, um, yeah, I get, there there was a few pe- one of the people that really took me under his wing. Uh, his name's Art Vilov, and he was the owner of Comedy Etc. Two, which was out in Fairview Heights. So. He's a comedy club owner, and, he's, and he he owns several comedy clubs, and he's a booker, and he's he's telling you everything that the on the business side what the booker is looking at, right? How right. how you're supposed to conduct yourself, and how to be professional, and um, he was really good to me, and he was the one that actually gave me my first uh, hosting gig, period. Um, not like not just open mic but like my first like weekend at a club and then like a week after that because that was sort of my like warm-up I was the host for Dave Coulier and I was about six months in yeah yeah and um, which is funny because like we kind of think of like Dave Coulier as like oh yeah yeah back from like the 80s or whatever but like all those guys they still have a following and then like you you're performing in front of a sold out room and by the way sold out rooms easiest like it's the it's the easiest job like you have to really suck to not do well in a sold out room right (laughs) (laughs) and like and if if you're if you're not at least having decent sets in a sold out room you need you need to reevaluate what you're doing on stage Mm -hmm. i agree i agree Especially because you have all this opportunity for, mm-hmm. <laughs> for people to laugh. Yeah. You know, speaking of people you've worked with, though, is there a specific comedian that, I mean, I know you mentioned Coulier, but is there anybody else that specifically stands out to you that you enjoyed working with in your uh, years of doing comedy? Um, yeah, there's a few. Um, Kev- I really enjoyed Kevin Bozeman. He was, yeah, he's good people. Yeah, but like... Uh, because we we just worked with Kevin not that yeah. long ago, mm-hmm. but I met Kevin uh, about seven years ago, mm-hmm. and he was just very gracious. Like I was really green, and not I, I wasn't that good. Like I was good enough to get booked where we were. This was in Oklahoma City, and uh, that's the Looney Bin. The Looney Bin actually owns condos. So instead of putting you up in a hotel, they put you in this condo that has like three bedrooms in it. So for the MC, the feature, and the headliner, so you spend an entire weekend <laughs> like <laughs> hanging out yeah. with the other comedians. So like you get to know them. But one of the first nights, I asked him, I'm like, "Hey, I know that you're gonna be like wanting to chill and you'll be busy this whole week and all that. Do you think you could watch one of my sets and just give me some pointers?" He's like, "Oh yeah, of course." Like, I was going to watch all of them. I was like, okay, that's cool. Oh, that's so nice. Well, and then we were sitting, we were watching basketball on at the condo. Sure. And um, just out of nowhere, he's just like, hey, so you want to go over the, these pointers from your set? I was like, yeah. And he pulls out notes. And I was like, that was the first time I felt like, 
wow, somebody I really respect and I admire what they do, like showed me respect as like, oh, I recognize that you're a comedian also that's really working hard, that's trying to, and he gave great advice. Obviously, like, cause I mean, he, it would, it wouldn't have been hard for someone like him to give someone like me at that time <laughs> any advice. Right. It wouldn't be hard for him now to give me advice, right? I'd, cause I'd be wide open to it. Um, but it was, I was really impressed with how seriously he took that request. And it like, it really made me feel important. The fact that he wrote stuff down, um, which is a practice that I ended up carrying with me. Yeah. Um, where there's times I'll like, it, if I've got tags for somebody or if somebody asks me to watch their set, I take notes on my phone when I sit and watch it. Um, and then I, I review it with them afterward. Mm -hmm. so, Cause otherwise I'm going to forget. I'm going to see them at an open mic. You're going to see how many comedians. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And so, um, I always try to take notes or I text them to myself, what, whatever I'm thinking. Yes. Right. Um, so he's one. The other one I really in just enjoyed working with him. Um, man, I can't even think of his name now. <laughs> <laughs> it, was just, it meant so much. <laughs> no, no, no. He, um, God, I, we got to talking about Kevin. Well, I'm and I'm just, well, I haven't slept. <laughs> also, no, I, I'm an I, insomnia. Well, I was going to bring up, you know, speaking of uh, people you've worked with that have, you've gotten a lot of, like, uh, respect from, I loved the moment, and I talked about this in the bio that we posted on the social media page, but I loved when you were on Kill Tony mm -hmm. and your name got picked out. It was a really beautiful moment. Uh, at Helium, was that, like, two years ago? Yeah. Yeah, two, two years, years ago. ago. Yeah. Kill Tony came to St. Louis at Helium Comedy Club St. Tony Louis. Hinchcliffe. Tony yeah. Hinchcliffe, yep. And uh, it was super great because JC's name got picked out. We were all like so excited because I was sitting, I was sitting with Adam Parker and Brendan Olson, who mm -hmm. are two great comedians here in St. Louis. And it was really magical because we heard all your jokes and like no offense to the other five people that were before JC. Angela Smith also did a great job. She, she was did on do there a great too. Job. She was wonderful. So it was really great about yours. But you know, it's it's Kill Tony, so you never know. You know, some people are like, I'm just a fan. I like comedy. But you, okay, yeah. so for mm -hmm. anybody who's not familiar with yeah, the format of the it. show, yeah, I'm like, doesn't everybody know what I'm talking about? Yeah. So anybody who's <laughs> not familiar with the format of the show, anybody can sign up, any audience member, and you write your name on a slip and they put it in a bucket, and he and essentially a dais, right? Like yeah. his crew, his buddies that are with him, uh, they all have microphones. He'll pull your name. He'll if. He pulls your name out of the bucket. He calls you up. You've got to walk up, and you only get one minute to tell jokes, which, like, that's very difficult to, like, make people laugh within. You, you should be able to make people laugh within one minute, but to get multiple laughs within a minute, uh, it takes some experience. And there, especially there are people that have never done it before. That's their first time on a microphone. Um, because they're just fans of Tony Hinchcliffe and Which, yeah, that's what and the show. Mm -hmm. um, so like there there were people that had never done it before. There were people that were that had that had been doing comedy, but they're still new. And trying to get all your jokes in in a minute, it's hard. <laughs> it yeah. is really difficult, especially because you have no warning. You like at an open mic, you're like, you can review your set, 
and you're like, okay, I'm up in three comics, I'm up in two comics, I'm, and you can like kind of ca- like prepare yourself going into it. I'm gonna start with this joke. I'm gonna do this joke. I'm gonna, but this is like, boom, your name is called, yeah. and then you're walking up, and it's like, tell jokes, <laughs> be funny. <laughs> That's what I was saying. You killed it though. You and Angela both. Mm-hmm. But w- what was so beautiful about your moment was that Tony was like, you know. I, uh, you know, I already have like a feature act, but you just want to do five minutes throughout this whole weekend. And the whole crowd was like, I was like, oh my gosh, sorry to yell in the microphone, but it was so cool to see. Mm -hmm. And then I saw the show and then it was kind of funny because afterwards, um, a couple of my friends and I, we were at uh, Atomic Cowboy and Mm -hmm. then who shows up, but Tony Hinchcliffe, JC Savala. And uh, I was like, oh, my God, huh? And Tony was very nice. He yeah. was ri- – so, mm-hmm. like, Tony, because of his style of humor and plus be- because mm-hmm. he he kind of – I feel I feel like he made his name writing for roasts. Yeah. Right? Um, everybody, like, I, myself included, I'm like, I bet this guy is a dick. <laughs> <laughs> I, bet, I bet he is just constantly talking shit and, like – and he was so nice. He was very gracious. Uh, he would buy us food. He'd buy us drinks. Um, I wasn't actually – I was his add-on to the show because mm-hmm. they already had all their people that were booked for the show. And he's just like, yeah, come up. every Like, each show, lead us off, do like five minutes, right? And uh, the club wasn't going to pay me for that, so he just gave me cash out of pocket. I and, didn't know that. And I was like, that is really, really cool. Mm-hmm. It was, it was, I was, I left very, very impressed. Yeah. And then I, I ended up working with uh, Tone Bell just like, like a week later. Like I ended, because of the Kill Tony thing, because I was already booked to work with Tone Bell. Yeah. I got to work with Tony and then Tone Bell the next week. And he was great. He was <laughs> He's like, boom, boom, boom. yeah, he's yeah. just one of those people that's a comedy fan, and it doesn't matter what level you are, he'll sit and he'll watch and he'll give you pointers. And he'll, he's, uh, that was a really good two weeks for me, yeah, even though I was only doing five to ten minutes at a time. Didn't like, you know, you can't really like breathe, <laughs> like let it breathe in those, but that was a that was a great two weeks, yeah. Sometimes it's better like to have that quality, you know, like. Mm-hmm. You can have that quality five to ten minutes and still be just as appreciated. People can be like, that really made me laugh. I love that. But it was just that was a really beautiful moment to see. I'm really glad that I got to witness that. Because it was cool to, like, obviously see a friend have that experience. But you are a very talented comedian. So it was really refreshing to see somebody that deserves the recognition mm-hmm. like you. So I, it was, But, yeah, Tony was great. I was like, I was at your show, and he gave me a hug. I was like, thank you for coming. Mm-hmm. And you know me, I'm a hugger, too. So I was like, oh. Okay. <laughs> yeah, you are. <laughs> <laughs> much much to the chagrin of Jimmy. <laughs> He's like, bitch, you hugging again? How do you know, how do you know that person? <laughs> like, calm down, Jimmy. Okay. <laughs> if you would like a free hug, please follow at the Casually Molly Podcast. I can't help it. I'm a friendly person, but it's definitely not. I've actually slowed down on that a lot. I feel like my day job has gotten. Well, that's super good jaded. considering we're in a pandemic. <laughs> well, I'm I'm glad you were able to get that shit under control. <laughs> that was going to be an epidemic if I didn't start. People watching this room be like, "Oh God." Okay, but anyway, 
Speaking of all the things you talked about, though, I feel like we covered a lot, but is there any uh, advice? You know, we always end up with like casual advice. You know, you've given a lot during this whole interview. <laughs> yeah, because yeah, um, I just casually throw it out there. I'm like, <laughs> get your ass to the stage. Like, <laughs> Other than getting your ass to the stage, is there any advice that you would give to, you know, speaking of, you know, an upcoming comedian, up and coming, excuse me, comedian that uh, like yourself back when in the mean streets of <laughs> yeah. Um one that was uh there there was I okay, so when I'd go on the road, I would ask the feature and the headliner, I would ask them, Hey, what was some advice somebody gave you that really resonated with you and has served you well? Instead of asking them for advice, I would ask them, What was advice somebody gave you? Mm-hmm. Like and was and it was just a a nice way of putting it on there and it made and they made it way more succinct when you ask it that way because otherwise if you just ask somebody uh, another comedian for advice they're gonna be like you know always keep writing and try to get on stage as much as possible like that's what they're gonna say we've had that happen on this podcast <laughs> yeah. yeah which is I mean that's that is good advice I mean that mm-hmm. is true please do that as well but when you ask it that way you get some more specific stuff and some like uh this one comedian, his name's Jose Sardui, um, who, like, we look like brothers. <laughs> it okay. was it was weird. It was weird being on the same show with him. Uh, <laughs> but uh, he got advice from Patrice O'Neill, oh. and he gave me two. And I had them li- written down in my little notebook. One was uh, always be honest because the audience can always tell when you're lying. So that was one. And then the other one was know the difference between them, between an audience not laughing and an audience not listening. And that one is huge. There's a lot of comedians, especially newer ones that just haven't been in the situation. There's a lot of times where you might have a joke that doesn't land and it sounds like you're getting crickets, which which sounds awful, but if they're not sitting there talking to each other, that doesn't mean they're bored. They're quiet because they didn't get the joke. And that's not the end of the world. Because they don't know when your joke starts and ends. They think you're still setting up the next thing. Right. They're, they're waiting on you to actually deliver something funny. <laughs> Which, that get, as long as they're sitting there giving you that chance, as long as they're like paying attention and they're listening, they may not be laughing, but as long as they're doing that, you have a chance to make them laugh and like hit them with something that's just gonna bring the house down. Right. And some comedians, if a joke doesn't land and they get crickets, they hit the panic button. And then the audience knows that they're nervous because the audience always knows when you're lying. <laughs> right. <yeah. laughs> they, they, they know, like it, it's like blood in the water. Yeah. And if you don't come across as confident, they're gonna, if, if they can tell you're sweating, they're like, oh, he's not confident, he or she is not confident. Um, and they're not gonna have any faith or any confidence in what you're about to say next. Yeah. So. That's good, I like that. Yeah. That's, that's the second one. I've never had somebody tell me that, so I'm gonna definitely keep that in mind. Uh, the second thing I'll ask you, 
is there since like you know we've got netflix we've really easy access to youtube is there a certain comedy special or comedy album that you would recommend whether somebody's pursuing comedy or just simply enjoys comedy that people should listen to or watch Ooh. uh you know what not <laughs> not really <laughs> okay because everybody has their own their own influences Okay. Yeah, there's so many different styles of comedy that uh, there could be a comedian that really resonates with one person that doesn't resonate with the next. That's true. Okay. So go out there, like, watch what you want to watch, um, and whatever makes sense to you, because only you know you. Only you can decide who you are. <laughs> yeah, no, yeah. Like, let that be what soaks, what soaks in. Like, for me, like, my influences are Russell Peters and Dave Chappelle, uh, if we're talking living. Uh, Dave Chappelle would be my number one living because I'm pretty chalk in my top five. Everybody's got their top five. Right. Right? Because my, my one and two, and they're like basically tied, is um, Pryor and Carlin. Sure. I mean, it's, it, it's basically chalk yeah. at that point. But then number three is Chappelle. Number four is Russell Peters. Uh, for me, number five is Kyle Kinane. Oh, yeah. I really yeah. love Kyle Kinane. Me too. Um, yeah, that's that's my top five. And then, like, if you if, when we go through, like, six through ten, that's always in flux. Sure. Right? So sometimes number six is Maria Bamford. You know, sometimes it's, uh, oh, who else? So, for a while, it was Hannibal Burris. And then, like, yeah. And then for a while it was Louie. And then for a while, like, it, it's, it's constantly changing, mm -hmm. right? Um, when you go, like, six through ten. But, like, for me, my top three living uh, are still Chappelle, Russell Peters, which Russell Peters isn't going to resonate with everybody. For me, mm -hmm. it really makes sense because, he, you know, he grew up the son of immigrant parents in a predominantly white area. Like, because he's Indian, but he grew up in, uh, I, I believe it's Toronto, right outside I Toronto. Think so, yeah. yeah. And so it's just sort of having that perspective of being different, but still being, uh, I, mean, I, I guess in his case, a North American. <laughs> right. <laughs> right. Yeah. Um, and just take whoever, whoever works for you, um, definitely don't copy him, but you're going to. <laughs> <laughs> everybody to, everybody when they start out is like a cheap knockoff of whoever their favorite comedian is yeah it's like, hard you, not to be though it's hard not you're to like, be you're like oh i really admire this person it's almost yeah. like a compliment to your favorite comedian yeah imitation yeah. is the most sincere mm -hmm. form of flattery exactly um but eventually you find your own voice and kind of work but like with me you can still you can still hear some of those influences sure like when i'm on stage um both Chappelle and Russell Peters for that matter <laughs> um and then a little bit of Canaan you like you can hear some of their influences in my style comedy yeah um but yeah I mean I I don't really have a you should listen to whoever because okay. comedy subjective yes Reggie shout out to Reggie Edwards on his episode that's why we called it the way casually subjective because it was the same thing where he's just like you know mm -hmm. everybody has their own version and their own interest for it that was wow that was a really great answer i'm really i'm really glad we got that <laughs> uh, well the last question i have for jc is not going to be very deep but it's just going to be what shows do you have coming up what do you want to plug 
I'm gonna be at Crack Fox here as we look at in our St. Louis. Yeah, I gotta look. <laughs> it's like, hi, I'm a professional comedian. Yeah. Let me just check my calendar. Yeah, I, let me. <laughs> I, you know, I should know this stuff, but uh, right. no. What uh, happens when you you know are just popular? Let me just w- check my schedule. One of my one of my best friends, uh, who's a, a brilliant comedian, Chris Sear. Uh, it's going to be uh, June 18th Ooh. at the Crack Fox. Okay. Do we know who's on the lineup? Uh, did he say who else is on it? I don't think so. Maybe not. That's okay. Well, yeah, June 15th at the Crack Fox. Uh, I love all of Impolite Company's shows. And, yeah, Chris Sears, great people. Mm-hmm. Oh, that's another question I wanted to ask you really quickly. Uh, the Crow's Nest. Mm-hmm. That's open now. Are you guys going to maybe bring back your mic at some point? I don't know. I only say that. I mean, obviously everything's up, but that was a really fun mic. That was a mic I used to have earlier. I loved that mic. It was that the, was so fun. It was the longest running weekly open mic in St. Louis. Yeah. I like Until the pandemic hit. Until, right. Well, th- yeah, that makes sense. But that was my I don't. I don't know what they want to do. Yeah. Because um, they they closed their doors for an, for a full year. Sure. Mm-hmm. Uh. I think Chris and I would like to, because towards the end, we were getting burnt out. Yeah. Doing a weekly open mic is exhausting. And yeah. it sucks. <laughs> yeah. And so, but like now that we've had time off, I think we're both recharged. I think we both would like to do it, but we don't know what they want to do. And if, if the setup's going to be right, because they've, they've also remodeled in the last year. Um, you know, I'd, I'd like to. Sure. I'd like to. Um, I'm open for it and I'm, I know Chris is open for it, but, uh, you know, we don't know. Yeah. Well, we'll just see. I mean, I get it. It's for safety precautions, but mm-hmm. that is a super. We don't want anybody dying. <laughs> right. <laughs> like over. Don't want to don't want to have any wild cards here, but uh, do support. They have the uh, brunch coming back, too. So you were just there, weren't you? At the brunch? Yeah, they, they're not doing brunch yet. Oh, just kidding. I'm so, sorry. No, but we <laughs> but they're serving food. There we go. So. We, we were there. We were eating. They still gave us mimosas okay. and Bloody Marys and all that, <laughs> but they just didn't have breakfast foods. Oh, well, there you go. So. All right. I love Bloody Marys, so I'm down. Um, yeah, we know. Yeah, that's that's great. And then where can we find you on social media? We've been seeing at JC Sabala. That's all of yeah, your. Yeah, basically. Yeah. Anytime uh, there's a new social media platform, I try to, uh, to lock down my handle so that it's all consistent. But Facebook is, you know, Facebook slash jc sabala um twitter at jc sabala instagram at jc sabala yeah like all of it <laughs> mine's at molly ambergy everything except for at the casually molly podcast which everybody should be following and just remember you can always casually subscribe to the podcast anywhere on audio youtube follow the facebook page you name it i really appreciate also st louis independent comedy make sure you check out stlouiscomedy.com for any mics local shows coming up and I appreciate, you know, shout out to Chris Sear again for giving me the opportunity to run the website. Uh, and shout out to Yale Hollander and Sam Lyons for also being part of the team. Uh, but now that we ended the episode, I always say, what are you going to casually do now that we're done chatting? Gotta go to sleep. Oh, he does need to go to sleep, everybody. All right, good night. Me too. <laughs> <laughs> Bye. <laughs> Great job. We did. You were awesome. Thank you so much. <laughs> I knew you were going to be great, so (laughs) I hope everybody heard you.